I appreciate the encouragement, advice, whatever you wanted to call it, that Pastor Brent gave us. I did want to remind, I'll just remind you, brother, and anybody else that hears, that, you know, that's bonus. If you take your hymnal home, that's good, and using it, you know, what a great way to use it, and then bring it back. <laughs> bring it back. Our shelves for hymnals are getting getting fewer and fewer, so remember to take them home, use them, and bring it with you. Put it with your Bible. Because you wouldn't come to church without your Bible. Right? <laughs> what are we here for? Uh, let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 3. Our, our worship God tells us where we will end up in verse 7. But I would like to read once again verses 1 through 7. Um, Brother Jeff asks me, what do you want me to print? And I said, just verse 7, just put that. And then I changed my mind. So, uh, so we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Spend a little time recapping where we've been. Uh, but for now, let's read. If you'll follow along in your copy of the Word of God, as I read 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right, without being frightened by any fear. Verse seven, you husbands in the same way, live with your wives according to knowledge as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Great triune God of heaven, we come asking your blessing on us this hour. We pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us this morning, sanctifying us by your word and bringing sinners to faith and repentance. We pray for conviction of sin and of righteousness and of coming judgment. Guide us in your truth. Hide this preacher behind the cross of Calvary. We pray in the name of Jesus and for his kingdom's sake. Amen. I want to remind us again as we come to this section that we are in the middle of a, a larger section which spans from chapter 2, verse 11, all the way through the middle of chapter 3. And as we read this, Peter skillfully transitions in and then out of this section.
But it is clear that these important verses instruct Christians how we should live in the world. How should Christians live in the world and the demeanor, the deportment with which a Christian should carry himself. This instruction began in chapter 2 with a very wide angle lens, if you will, a very broad uh, spectrum, charging us to be submissive, to live quiet and peaceable lives in relation to the governing authorities. The text mentions kings and governors. But we find application in whatever governmental structure we find ourselves living in, whatever authority is over us. And we learn in these verses that the authority under which we live is God ordained authority. And we submit to God as we submit to God, we must submit to the authority under which he has placed us. So we have this broad view of submitting to governmental authority. And then the focus narrows, uh, the, the scope narrows, and it speaks to how a Christian should behave in our vocational relationships. Whether, as the text speaks of, working as a slave in the first century, or whether working as an employee in 2023, Christians are to be good Workers, We are not to be the disruptive, loud, problem type. We are to be submissive and do what is right, even when we are under an authority who is unreasonable. And we see this laid out for us there at the end of chapter 2. We're not loud and divisive, rather we should be quiet and peaceable. There's a theme. I don't know if you're getting the theme. Then the scope again narrows as we come to chapter 3. How are Christians to behave in the family? We started with government, we moved to vocational relationships, and now we come to the family. How are we to behave in our families? And as we pointed out last week, chapter 3 begins speaking about the family with the word likewise or in the same way which connects our thinking about Christian family behavior to these other spheres in which we have been speaking, the other spheres where we are to submit. And we see in verses 1 through 6 that submission is the order for Christian wives. In all these areas of submission, governmental authority, vocational authority and family authority, we have been careful to say that first submission is to God and then we submit to those authorities that are over us. And, and we've said that there is the exception, submission to these other authorities, there's an exception when those authorities contradict God's command. So that's the exception. And, and we must, when we must choose to obey God or man, we must choose to obey God every time. And, and we've been 
careful to point this out, and, and I think it is an important caveat for us to learn, but, but I'd like to see something about this caveat or about this exception. Perhaps because God knows our tendency, maybe it's not yours, but it's mine. Perhaps God knows my tendency to look for the exception to the rule. To, to, to try to find a way not to do the thing that we're commanded. Now, y'all don't have that, but I've got that. And, we, and, and perhaps God knowing that, if you look, we do not find the exception explicitly stated for us in this text or in any other text of Scripture. We see the exception, we must obey God rather than men in example and in inference. But it's not explicitly laid out for us here. You don't see the loophole. We find instead of the loophole, a reinforcement of the teaching on submission. So we saw in chapter 2, slaves submit to your masters. But what if they're unreasonable? What if they're difficult? What if they're hard? Yes, submit to your masters. Still submit. And then we come to chapter 3. Wives, submit to your husbands. And before we can even say, but what if the scripture comes with an answer? God has answered our question. If he's an unbeliever, yes, submit to him. If he's difficult and overbearing, still submit. And wives, don't forget that, that it says in the same way or likewise, because we might think that we have a game plan. We might think, well, I, I know what I'm going to do. My husband is difficult, so I'm going to nag him into a place of where we can get along. I'm, I'm going to talk him into that place. I'll nag him into a manageable state. <laughs> But the scripture says, no, don't, when you will not win your husband in that way. You will win your husband without a word by the imperishable quality of your gentle and quiet spirit. That's the game plan. And you might think, well, I, I know what I'll do. I'll pretty myself up. I, to gain influence or maybe to gain control. I'll fix my hair. I'll put on some nice jewelry. I'll put on a lovely dress. And, and in that way, I will influence my husband. But the word comes back with a quick negative. Do not let your adornment be merely external. You should be known by your chaste and respectful behavior. And in this way, you are to submissively live with your husband. And so we consider these verses on how Christian wives are to live in submission to their own husbands. And we came off that study last week saying, well, next week the husbands will get theirs. Next week it's coming. So, uh, so that's where we are today. Uh, and, and we have this idea Last week was wives, this week's husbands. Let's make everything even, Stephen. Let's make it all, you know, what's good for the goose, so to speak, right? 
But I'd like to point something out. Wives, I mean, if you just look at the text here, wives, last week we spent uh, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Okay. Now, okay, so that was wives. Now, husbands, let's see. Verse 7. Was it just verse 7? It, it looks like God's not as concerned about even Stephen as we might be, right? <laughs> Uh, but but I want us to see that even though we have six verses for wives and one verse for husbands, this single verse, huh, guys, buckle up. This single verse is so difficult. Now, now I don't want to make light of the difficulty of a wife submitting to her husband. The times that I have looked at my wife in submission and thought she's a better person than me, I would have a hard time. I know it's difficult, but the difficulty of submission, and, and I checked with her. She said this was okay to say. The difficulty with submission seems to be an internal struggle, an internal conflict. But husbands, you are commanded in this single verse. And, and then we find in this single verse command an entire lifetime of study and labor. Just right here. Now, now, I'd like to call our attention to another passage that we might call a parallel passage. It's. Ephesians 5, and you don't have to turn there. I think this is going to be very familiar to us. Ephesians 5, and in Ephesians 5, as the Apostle Paul addresses uh, family relations and how we are to live, we get three verses for wives. And by the way, in Ephesians 5, we get a lot more verses uh, directed toward the husband, but most of it is really applicable to the church and Jesus Christ. So we get these three verses to wives. Wives, be subject or submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. And then we come to the husband's part. And again, it's, it's short, but there's so much here. Husbands love your wives. I would like to put a period there. Husbands love your wives. Okay. That's not, that's, it doesn't end. Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. We can put a period there, right? But it continues. And gave himself for her. Husbands, love your wives. This command is one thing. Husbands, love your wives. But the little defining phrases that come after raise the bar exceedingly for us, husbands. You can't just love your wife in a way that you think is acceptable. And I hope you had a wonderful example in your father of loving a husband loving his wife. But don't, the scripture doesn't tell us love your wife like your dad loved your mom. The scripture says you love your wife like Christ 
loves his bride. And remember, he died for her. Now go do that. This is heavy. This is weighty. And now we come back to our text in Peter. And, and we have here, husbands live with your wives. Again, well, there are days when this is challenging, right? Not just for husbands. For husbands and wives, there are days when just living together is a challenge. But it doesn't just stop there, husbands. Live with your wives in an understanding way. I think that's the New American Standard, probably the English Standard. I, I prefer the King James, which says, live with your wives according to knowledge. Because I think being understanding, we might get the idea that we're just supposed to we're just supposed to be nice. But living with your wife according to knowledge, there's, there's more meaning there. Husbands, you have a lifelong pursuit of learning. Some of you thought you were done learning. You're not. You have a lifelong pursuit to pursue knowledge. You are to concentrate your mind and your attention on knowing one thing. And it's not baseball stats. It's not football stuff. It's not being a Call of Duty genius. I just list those things because there are so many things that we husbands focus our attention on and we have that one thing. Whatever that one thing is. The scripture tells you what that one thing needs to be. And it's probably not the thing that you've been focusing on. I hope it is. But the scripture says you are called here. You are commanded here to know your wife. Can we just pause for a moment and thank God that it doesn't say, husbands, you are to know women. Because that's impossible. Just hang it up. That's not going to happen, right? That's not going to happen. And, and I tell people that in premarital counseling. Like, yeah, you guys don't even speak the same language. You don't know it yet, but you don't even speak the same language. There's no way that we're going to fully understand women, guys, right? But you are to set your heart, your mind, your focus, your attention on knowing your wife. Knowing your wife. And then to live with her according to knowledge, according to that knowledge that you have gained. Study her and then use that data to be the husband that your wife needs you to be. Love her like Christ loved. That's past tense. Love her like Christ loves his bride. And study her to know her better. How does Christ, how does Christ love his bride? He died for us. But then, is that it? That's, that's, that's it. Jesus died for you and then said, I'm out. No. He lavishes his bride with good gifts. He lavishes Good things upon us, not harmful things, not destructive things. Aren't we thankful that God doesn't give us everything we ask for? Aren't we thankful that God doesn't give, every, give us everything that we think we want? But he gives us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
He lavishes us with good things. And husbands, according to knowledge, as you are able, lavish good things on your wife. Set a goal that your wife will be known among all the other wives as a wife who is loved well by her husband. Live with her according to knowledge and love her as Christ loves the church. Now, somebody might not be thinking, how am I going to do that? That sounds expensive. I've got some ways, I've got some ways here that, that it's not extravagance. It's not expense. It starts with simple things that every one of you Christian husbands can do and should do. First, fulfill the role of prophet and priest in your home. Now, before someone takes that too far, Jesus Christ is our prophet, priest, and king, and no one else fills those offices. He is our prophet, priest, and king. And I'm not saying, husbands, you fill the office of prophet, priest, and king. I, when I say fulfill the role of prophet and priest in your home, I mean something very simple. I'm a simple man. Here's what it is. Are you ready? A prophet spoke God's word to the people. The prophet spoke from God to the people. And the priest goes the other way, takes the concerns and the needs and, and takes the, the people to God. That's what I mean when I say fill the role, fulfill the role of prophet and priest in your home. How do you, how do, you do that? Well, fulfill the role of prophet by having family worship. And, and I don't mean to make something elaborate or fancy. Uh, I, I have known men who have tried to make family worship into uh, a, a big to-do. And what happens is they labor for that one week. And then maybe they miss a week. And then they come out with another big push another week. And it fizzles. And they don't keep up with that. And that's no good. Have family worship by just reading a few verses of scripture with your wife and, and if you have children with your children as well. Just read a few verses of scripture. Uh, you could either take the previous week's worship guide or the upcoming week's worship guide and you could just read those verses. You don't even have to pick verses. Just read a few verses of scripture and pray. And pray for, with and for your wife, with and for your children, uh, by doing that, you fill the role of priest for your family. Uh, carrying the needs of your wife. Husband, you're carrying the needs of your wife to God. Her spiritual, as well as her emotional needs, and her physical needs. Study your wife, live with her according to knowledge, get to know her better, and you'll know better how to pray for her. And pray with your wife, but don't just pray with your wife. You need more praying than that. Pray for your wife when you're on your own. 
fill the role of prophet and priest. And husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. Love your wife as Christ loved the church by providing for your wife. Scripture makes it very clear in Paul's letter to Timothy that a man must provide for his own family, especially the members of his own household. And if you do not provide, you have denied the faith and are worse than an infidel. You have denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever. The strength of these statements is overwhelming. Provide for your wife. And to provide, you don't have to make a million dollars a year. But you should provide the best you can. Now, we've been talking on Sunday mornings in our Sunday school time about the, the theology and the doctrine of Scripture about work. And if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Well, husbands, you have a responsibility to provide for your wife. Do the best you can and consider perhaps you need to improve the ways that you can provide. But most of us, we live in a wealthy country and most of us will do fine to provide. And as we provide, part of that providing, it's not just bringing home the paycheck. It's not just bringing home the money, but it's also not overspending yourselves. How many times do we see husbands who provide and then turn around and buy themselves so many toys? Husbands provide and then don't overspend and don't go plunge your family into crippling debt. That robs your wife of the security and the comfort that she needs to be the godly wife that you want. So husbands provide and protect your wife. Protect your wife. Protect her from hurt. Shelter her whenever you can. And, and I think this is what the text is getting at when it says she is the weaker vessel. She is the weaker vessel. And this is not an insult. Ladies, you shouldn't look at it as an insult. And, and men, it's, it's not an insult. Rather than an insult, it's a place of honor that she is a weaker vessel. The example I use is when we have moved houses. When we move, I hate to move. I hate to move. It's packing and unpacking and moving. It's the whole thing. I hate it all. But there are some things that when you're moving, you just throw them in the trailer. I mean, maybe literally, right? How do you pack a hammer? How do you pack an anvil? You just put it in there. No care. No, no concern for it. But then there are other things. How do you move your fine china, your finest dishes? How do you move that crystal vase? If you have one, here's how, here's how you do it. You wrap it, and then you wrap it again, and then you put it in a box, but in a box with packing material all around it so that it is, it is cared for, and then you close that box and you tape it up, and then what? Right on the outside, fragile, handle with care. And you carefully, that box probably goes on the front seat of the car, right? That doesn't get thrown in the truck. 
You handle it with care. And this is not because that crystal vase is unimportant. It's not because your fine china is of lesser value. It's because it's of more value. It's handled with great care. And husbands, your wives are the weaker vessel. Handle her with great care. Protect her. As we speak about our wives being the weaker vessels, how many of us husbands, if you've been married very long at all, you can, you can probably look at your wife and say, she is so strong. She's so strong. I've seen her. I've seen her strength. And, and there are ways in which she is strong and maybe stronger than you. But she is still a woman. And the scripture is plain that she is at least in some measure a weaker vessel. Study your wife. Know her. And protect her. As a weaker vessel, treasured, greatly valued. Husbands, also protect your wife by watching your own holiness. Protect your wife by fighting sin and killing it. When you sin, when you sin, repent, get back up, get back in the fight, get back to killing sin. Remember what Owen said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And sin will be killing you and your family. So protect your wife by protecting your own holiness. Now, husbands, You've been here when the scriptures instructed your wife to submit to their own husband, even if he is unreasonable, even if he is a hard man, even if he is a jerk, even if he is an overlord. My wife did say, are you going to say jerk? Yes, twice now. But Christian husbands, remember that that instruction that she is to submit to that unreasonable man is really when she's married to an unbeliever. Christian husband, you are not to be a jerk. You are not to be an overlord. You are not to be unreasonable or difficult. You Husbands, you are the primary lover in your house. You are the primary lover. Love your wife. Do you know who you love? You love the people who love you. We see that. And, and, and I think, I think the, the greatest illustration of that is when we see people who love our children. People who love your children, all of a sudden you care for those people more than anybody else. You love those people because they love, they love you by loving your children. And you're reciprocating that. Husbands, you are the initiator. You love your wife and then she loves you in return because you did such a good job loving her. You love her. Don't be a jerk. Don't be an overlord. Don't be difficult. 
Look at verse 7. Show her honor. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Husband, God did not place you as the head of your house because you're the smartest. God didn't put you there because you have more wisdom. God didn't put you there because you'd be better at it. So let's not have that arrogance. You just do what I say. That old adage, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Too long has that been an excuse for husbands leading their home. No, that's not. Show her honor. God, God might have put you in your home to lead your wife just to show that his plan for how a Christian family should work will even work with somebody like you. Your wife is not your doormat. And, and yes, wives are to submit to their husbands and children are to submit to their parents. But husband, your wife is not your child. And that submission is not the same. That submission looks different. Your wife is not submitting to you and obeying you in the same way that a child should do. She is a thinking, feeling person. And you would do well to listen and to take benefit from her input. How are you going to live with her according to knowledge if you don't listen? Your wife is a fellow heir of the grace of life. She is as much a son of God as you are. And if you don't know why I said son instead of daughter, you need to come on Wednesday nights. Your wife is as much a son of God as you are. She is much indwelled by the Holy Spirit as you. So treat her with honor. Husbands, treat your wife with honor and respect as a child of God. Take her as a lifelong learning endeavor and find joy in that. This is not supposed to be. <laughs> I remember studying algebra. Ugh. It was hard and I didn't like it. And it was work and it was miserable. I can't wait till this is over. That's not how you are to learn your wife. Take joy in this. Find joy there. Live with her then according to knowledge. And you have a good motivation to do this. To be this kind of husband. Because look at the end of the verse. So that your prayers will not be hindered. How important is this? Well, this is very important, husbands. Mind how you husband. Watch how you live with your wife and honor her because it will have a direct bearing on your prayers being heard. How awful would it be to bow your head in a time of desperate need that you need to go to God and to realize Prayers are hindered. Husbands, we, we need to notice one more thing before we leave this section. This, this, this whole section about submission, governmental authorities, vocational authority, and then family authority, it addresses all those who are under authority. 
That's what's addressed in every section. Those who are under authority, the citizen, the slave, the wife. But here in verse 7, we have this, this one verse written to you who are in authority. And we shouldn't take that lightly. This, this verse is not here by accident. And it should not be ignored. Now, now someone may have said, well, you're, you're missing one word. It says husbands likewise are in the same way. We have that here again. So how do we understand this? This, this? this likewise or in the same way does not mean that, well, a wife is to submit to her husband and a husband is to submit to his wife in, in the exact same manner. That, that's not what's being taught here. But there is something of a mutuality that we must consider. And, and I want to, to reference us to Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 7 where he says this, the husband must fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. You see the mutuality? There is a duty that is owed one to another. Husbands to wives and wives to husbands and you are to do that. It continues. The wife does not have authority over her own body but the husband does and all the husbands said amen and then quit reading. But wait, it continues. Likewise the husband also does not have authority over his own body but the wife does. The husband has duties and responsibilities toward his wife and the wife has duties and responsibilities toward her husband. So let's do that. Do those things. And we see here this mutuality between husband and wife. Now, I keep looking at my watch and, and, and we've got we've to end here. But it's safe to say that so much more could be said on this topic. But husbands, I don't, I don't think we need a better explanation. Not that my explanation has been great, but I, I just don't think we need a better understanding of the command. The command is pretty clear in a plain reading. I, I think what we need is to just be reminded of the command and then go do it. Now, I, I won't pretend even for a moment that it is easy to write the last couple of sermons uh, and, and especially this one, a sermon addressing husbands and how they deal with their wives. And, and, and it's difficult to write. It's difficult to deliver, especially when my wife and children are in this room and they know my specific and could speak to particular failures. That, that's difficult. Writing this sermon is tough. But today I want you men to know I have the easy part as the preacher. Now I'll step down from here and I'll be the husband and I'll be with you. But I have the easy part. I just present to you, this is what God commands. Now you have to go and obey. That's where it's hard. That's where it's going to get tough. Husbands, and wives, we will no doubt all fall short of perfection in these things. The, the scripture describes for us these Christian family directives and we will fail. But when we fail, we must get back on course, back on the task. 
husbands back to studying and knowing and loving your wife. And when we fail, when we fall, we should look to the Lord Jesus. Because he is our perfect example. He submitted perfectly to the will of the Heavenly Father during his earthly ministry. Just let's, let's take a quick moment. These are these could be considered trick questions, so I'm not going to let you answer, but, but let's just ask the questions. Is God the Father smarter than God the Son? Is God the Father better than God the Son? Is God the Father more of a leader than God the Son? The answer to all those is no. They are of one essence. But the Son submitted during His earthly ministry. According to His humanity, He submitted to the will of the Father. There's so many things here that I want that I want to press in, and we're out of time. But but when you read a marriage book that tells you that the son is eternally submitted to the father, don't believe that. That's a lie. Father, son, and spirit are co-equal, co-eternal God. And there is not an eternal submission. Christ's submission was during his earthly ministry, during his time on earth. But during that time, according to his humanity, he submitted his will to the will of the Father. He is our example in submission. And husbands, Christ loves his bride. And he gave himself up for her. And he is our example. When we fail, get back, look at your example, and get back on task. When we fail, we do find forgiveness in Christ. We find grace. We find strength as well as correction. What a blessing it is to be sons of God, to be heirs, joint heirs with Christ. And our hope and our prayer is that our families will more and more every day reflect the grace of God. This is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, the, the difficulty in obedience so often comes from our own sin, from our own pride, from the things within us that are not yielded to you. So God, we pray that you would put your finger on the sore spot, that you would put your finger on those places and that you would grant to us true repentance that leads to life. God, I pray for husbands and wives who are struggling. We have no easy answers, but I pray that you would help them to understand and to know the answers that your word gives. And I pray that you give them the strength and the courage to do what you have commanded. And we pray that our, that our homes, that our marriages would truly be a picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his bride. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.